2 Samuel 11, beginning in verse 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. I said, but David remained in Jerusalem. Verse 2, one evening, David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. And skipping down to verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. And now over to chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had brought. He raised it. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare, prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David's anger, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? 
you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household I am going to bring calamity to you. Before your very eyes I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And may the Lord give us truth and understanding and challenge in his word today. In studying the life of King David, this particularly sad and tragic event, this episode, is one that I just as soon would have skipped over. But in truth, it's a passage that teaches us a lot. It teaches us a lot about David. It teaches us a lot about mankind. It teaches us a lot about ourselves. No sin or occasion of sinful behavior has gotten more attention, more writing, more preaching, with the possible exception of Adam and Eve, than the sin of David and Bathsheba. This tragic story and the consequences that came with it, with it teach us much about human sinful nature and its results. The story begs some questions. How could a man described as a man after God's own heart fall into such obvious and great temptation? What could David have done to resist this temptation? How is it there were not people in David's life who would have seen this coming? And did he actually think he would get away with it? There is a sinful tendency in human beings, a bent towards sin, that when the opportunity, when the temptation presents itself, man tends to take it. Disobedience and rebellion are the characteristics that have plagued us from the beginning of time starting with Adam and Eve. The Bible has much to teach us about our sinful nature, our tendency towards sin, our tendency toward rebellion, our tendency toward disobedience against God. Here are a few passages. In the Old Testament, the prophets wrote about man's sinful tendencies. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Isaiah 64, 6. The words of the great prophet Isaiah, all of us, say all of us. You don't believe that. Say all of us. All of us have become like one who is unclean. 
and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. Like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Ecclesiastes 7.20 Indeed, there is no one. Say no one. A minute ago, we said all of us. Ecclesiastes said, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No one who does right and never sins. The writers of the Old Testament books clearly understood that sin has a hold on human beings. There is a sinful nature in our lives. If we just focus on Paul's letter to the Romans in the New Testament, there are many verses that teach us on this subject. Of course, Romans 3.23, For all, say all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That verse teaches us the universal tendency of sin in man's life. All have sinned, all fall short. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because what? all have sinned. The Bible clearly teaches the universal sin nature. Sin entered through one man, and like a plague, sin and death came to all. Romans 7.21 Pay attention here to the words of Paul. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. This is the Apostle Paul, the preacher, the evangelist, the pastor, the writer of all of these wonderful epistles. This is, these are the words of Paul. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. One of the other versions says, evil resides in my parts. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but, say but, in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, say prisoner, of the law of sin at work within me. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. I want to do the right thing, but there's a war going on in my life. The Apostle Paul, the great preacher, the pastor, and the evangelist recognizes this struggle in his own life. I want to do good. I want to do right. I want to live a righteous life, but I don't. I fail. With that being stated by Paul, it could seem hopeless to us that we are forever imprisoned by our sin nature. But right in the middle, praise God, right in the middle of this troubling message about David, and before I continue this, this sermon that's hard to preach, we are reminded of the cure. 
the fix, the solution. Paul says in verse 25, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in the middle of bad news, there's good news. David, a man after God's own heart, a man chosen by God. Say chosen. You know that. We've talked about that for weeks. This man, David, was chosen by God to shepherd the nation. A man who we learn, I wrote last week, but I meant two weeks ago now. <laughs> A man who we learned last week was focused on bringing revival to Israel. He blatantly and severely disobeyed God. And he did irreparable harm to multiple people. And he paid the price for it. The man chosen by God. The man who God said, he has a heart after me. There are a few things, a few truths that we can draw from this story that can benefit us and help us in our struggle against sin and disobedience. Point one, David was out of position. David was out of position. Back to the beginning of our text. In the spring, at the time when who goes to war? Kings go to war. At the time when kings go to war, David sent Joab out with his own men, with the king's men. David sent David didn't go, David sent. With the king's men and the whole Israelite army, David sent them out. But David remained in Jerusalem. David sent the boys off to war and stayed home. And stayed home. So it's one of those times in the life of the nation that they were at war. One of many times. It seemed like Israel was constantly fighting its enemies, fighting for its very survival. Anybody seen the news lately? And note the last sentence here, but David remained in Jerusalem. Friends, David was out of position. He was not where he should have been. Listen, when we get ourselves out of position, away from where we should be for a time, we open ourselves up for problems, especially temptation. Did you hear what I said? God wants us to be in position. And that position... Listen, that position is in his presence, in communion with him, in relationship, in communication with him. That's the position that God wants us constantly in. When we stray, say stray, when we stray from him, we are asking for trouble. We are setting ourselves up for failure and temptation. I submit to you this morning... That because David wasn't where he was supposed to be 
his resistance was down. You all right? His sin nature, his tendency for disobedience would roar to the forefront of his life because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. If you find yourself out of position, if you find yourself spiritually out of position, look out. The enemy will find a weak spot. He will find an opening to tempt you beyond what you can resist if you are out of position. There's a note of encouragement for you and me here. Because of Jesus Christ and his power in my life, I have everything I need to resist sin. To say no to failure. To what the enemy wants to accomplish against what God is doing in our lives. The enemy is out there and he wants you to fail and Jesus in your life. Jesus powerfully in your life. The Holy Spirit operating in your life every day says no way to the enemy. Stay in position. Number two, David not only saw, David acted. King David was out of position. He was alone and up on the roof. And I submit that he was looking for a diversion. I submit to you that by himself up on the roof, David was looking for something to occupy his mind and his time in his body. David was looking for a diversion, an opportunity, and it appeared as a beautiful woman bathing on another roof, on another house. Say another house. David was snared by temptation. And to be clear, at that point, David had a decision to make. Y'all are quiet this morning. Was he going to take a glance at Bathsheba, turn his head, move on with life? Or was he going to act in his sinful nature? Remember what Paul said in Romans? Although I want to do good, evil was right there with me. David acted. Say, David acted. He fell to the temptation. The enemy of David's soul found a weakness and in David's life it was lust yes. oh what tragic harm and loss has occurred in the lives of people who fall prey to the temptations of lust and sexual sin yes. I think of what God said through Nathan back in this warning in our text you did this thing in private, but it's going to become public. How many times have we seen men and women fall to, to the temptation of lust? And how public it becomes. Jesus' words in Mark 9, 47. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. 
It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Jesus was pretty serious about this. This is serious business in the eyes of our holy God. And the opportunities and temptations of this world in this area go far beyond these days what they ever have in the history of mankind. David saw. David did not turn. David acted. He sent for Bathsheba. Number three. David tried to cover his sin. This never ends well. <laughs> Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. Highlight that one in your King James. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces or repents finds mercy. I want to show you an Old Testament story of cover-up. Joseph. In Genesis 7, we read the story of Joseph's jealous brothers who sold him to the Egyptians. Their cover-up is legendary. Genesis 7.31, they took Joseph's robe and they slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in the blood of the goat. They took the robe back to their father and said we found this examine it to see if it's your sons I could preach a half an hour here how far people go to try to cover their sin they had sold their brother off to the Egyptians and a goat paid the price for it there's some symbolism here in the slaying of the lamb but I won't go there for the moment can you imagine the horror of covering that precious boy's coat with the blood of this goat and taking it to dad. Can you imagine what dad thought when they brought that blood-covered coat to him and they presented it in front of him? Certainly a lion or a tiger or some beast must have attacked your son and tore him to pieces. Can you imagine the pain of that father? The cover-up of sin. Listen, the cover-up of sin will cause even more problems than the sin itself. It'll cause more hurt. It'll cause more pain. It'll cause more catastrophe than even the sin itself many times. We found this, they said. Take a look at this. Take a look at this. 
I feel the pain of that father even right now. Verse 33 says, he recognized it. Jacob recognized it and said, this is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. What incredible and sorry lengths people go to in covering their obvious sins. When I think of the crimes and the corruption that in high-profile cases that we have seen these past years, the crime is one thing, but the lengths that people go to to cover them up gets them in even more hot water. David went to great lengths to try to cover this sinful act, including arranging for the husband of Bathsheba to be killed in battle. Covering up your sin never ends well. Number four, sinful actions have circumstances. Blatant sinful actions, such as David commits here, have serious repercussions. Sin also carries some natural consequences with it. Some natural consequences. God's rule is designed to be for our good. He created us and knows us intimately. God knows what is good for us and what is not. He does not create rules or give commands simply so that we will obey him. God does not need to engage in a power struggle for the sake of his ego. He knows he is in control and his rule is loving. That means that our rebellion against God is really rebellion against what is best for us. A parent knows what behaviors to encourage and what behaviors to discourage in children for their own good. When a child disobeys, he or she suffers the natural consequences of engaging in destructive behavior. Sometimes, sin leads to the consequences imposed on us by society, certain sins are illegal. When we are caught committing these sins, even if we repent and are restored to, to the experience of life in God, we may suffer legal consequences. In this story, we see the repercussions of David's sin as they affect multiple people. You ever heard the term collateral damage? Bathsheba, who finds herself pregnant then loses her husband at the hand of the king's cover-up. The child that is born of Bathsheba and David dies. We find that the spiritual health of the nation is affected by David's sin. And David's relationship with Nathan, the prophet, and David's friend suffers greatly. Your sin has ramifications, consequences, collateral damage. Sin does not occur in a vacuum. 
There's always collateral damage. Others are always affected. Nobody will find out. Number five, surely your sin will find you out. Did David really think he was going to get away with this? A famous quote from Moses in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. I wanted to know where that, I'd heard that quote before, surely your sin will find you out. That's a Moses quote from Numbers. Paul understood this. And he writes in Galatians, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Amen. Listen to the words of Jesus from Luke 8. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. The words of Jesus. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. Do not be deceived. God sees all. It's part of his divine nature. Man's sinful nature will surface and will be exposed. But as I said earlier in the message, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, there is a cure. Y'all are pretty depressed at this moment. As I am, having preached this message. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. There is a cure. There is a remedy. There is an umbrella of mercy and grace. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is good news. If there is good news in this story, it is this. David eventually, say eventually. David eventually learned the lesson of confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Dr. Chuck Swindoll writes this. True repentance is a claiming of God's forgiveness and reinstatement. Turning around, going in the other direction, is our claim, our evidence that God has forgiven and reinstated us. All sins are forgivable when confessed and forsaken, but some sins carry tremendous ramifications, awful lingering consequences. I like what Chuck says here. Chuck says, David died hating the day he called for Bathsheba. Because of the constant lingering conflicts and, and consequences that resulted that he saw, but deep down inside, David knew that the God of Israel had forgiven him and dealt with him in grace. Hallelujah. We see the evidence of this forgiveness and grace in a psalm 
from the pen of David. He wrote crying out from the depths of his being. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Y'all have headings before chapters in your Bible. Those are not of the, of the, of the perfect, inerrant Word of God. They are what, what commentators or translators have written. Let me read you the heading in my NIV before Psalm 51. A Psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Folks, now I want you to grab a hold of this. This is what David wrote after the event that we just talked about. This is what David wrote, and we have it. Say, we have it. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. Listen, the mercy of God, the mercy of God has nothing to do with how deep your sin may have been. The mercy of God is according to the unfailing love of God. He loves you so much that if you screw up bad, He will forgive. Have mercy on me, O God, according to to your unfailing love. Look at this. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's exactly what David wanted. It's exactly what, what the doctor ordered here after these events that we just so sadly learned about. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Our God is the God of great compassion, friends. There's bad news in this story, but there is so much good news in this story. Our God is a God of great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, wash away. Thank you, Sister Terry. Don't know if you chose it, intending to set me up beautifully for this message this morning. What can wash away my sin? Right? Yeah. Oh, precious is the flow. Thank you. Set me up nicely. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. We get a blotch of, of Taco Bell on our shirt. And Rhonda does the laundry around our house. I've tried once. And that Taco Bell stain will maybe squirt with a pre-treat, right? Yeah, yeah. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, David begs of God, for I know my transgressions. I can see the blotch of Taco Bell on my shirt. For I know my transgressions. David knew what he had done, didn't he? Yeah. For sure your sin will find you out. I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Listen to this. This is powerful. You may think you only sin against a person. You may think you only 
sin in private or you sin against some other person. But this says against you. Who's the you he's talking to? The God of Israel. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. In the sight of God, your sin is seen by a holy God. So you are right in your verdict. <laughs> Not many uh, criminals say that, do they? And you're justified when you judge. Because you're the holy and righteous judge. We talked a little bit earlier about man's sinful nature. Look at verse 5 of this psalm. Surely I was sinful at birth. Now, Mike, we ought to probably pull up that picture of that little baby that we had up earlier. I won't trouble you to do that. David says, surely I was sinful at birth. I was born with a sin nature. Now, you may or may not believe that, but I'm here to tell you it is biblical truth that man is born, woman is born, implanted with the plague of sin. Believe it or not believe it. I'll tell you what, the world doesn't believe that. Oh, we're all just fine. <laughs> I haven't done so bad. I do a lot of good things. You know? I don't drink or smoke or chew. Huh? David knew that there was a sin nature. He knew that he was sinful from the time his mother conceived him. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. He's taking this to extremes. Listen, David is going back and he said, I wish I could have been righteous rather than sinful. I wish I could have not had this sin nature. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Look at 7. The, the cleansing that was done in the day, the, both the, the practical cleansing of, of, of homes and people and things was done with what is called hyssop. And I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. David wanted the whole works done. David came out of the ramifications of his sin and he sought God and he sought his forgiveness and he wanted the whole wash job. He didn't want the 895 bargain car wash. He wanted the whole works. He wanted the, he wanted the, tire, the tire wash and the underbelly wash and the, and the wax and the, and the spotless rinse at the end. Of, he didn't want the cheap car wash. He wanted the whole thing in God. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. And look at the, friends, look at the result of when we receive forgiveness. Verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. How in the world could we get to joy and gladness after what we've studied today? I'll tell you. Nothing but the blood. I'll tell you. When you're washed in the forgiveness of God's cleansing flow there's joy that comes because you realize wow I really screwed up but wow he's really good <laughs> he's really merciful he's really loving he's really forgiving let me hear joy and gladness let the bones you have crushed re 
rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. I, I, I want it to be as this never happened. And then a, a verse that has been memorized and, and sung about for so long. But I want you to grab this next verse, verse 10. And I want you to say, moving forward. Somebody say, moving forward. Yeah. Moving forward. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Yes. Say, moving forward. moving forward. Do a work in my life that I may move forward, maybe having learned the lesson of last week. Maybe having learned the lesson of the ramifications of sin. Maybe having learned... The lesson of not turning my head, instead sending for Bathsheba. Create in me, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me, within my life. Steadfastness. Remember when I said you got to be in position? Position. Constant position, constant communion with God, constant relationship with God is the mark of a steadfast walk. A steadfast walk. A consistent walk. A straight walk. A, a, a walk that resists distraction steadfast not only do I want you to cleanse my heart but I want a steadfast spirit that as I move forward say move forward as I move forward as I walk into next week as I walk into tomorrow as I look out into the future I want to have a steadfast walk God in your presence Speaking of his presence, verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. God's Holy Spirit is exactly what you need to be steadfast. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. After all this, say after all this. Now think a minute about the all this that we just read about. After all this, restore to me the joy of the salvation that you have given me, your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I love verse 13. Listen, the turnaround, the turnaround in a person's life who has fallen, who has sinned, who has seen severe repercussions from his sin, but has been forgiven has repented, has been restored. The result of that is, look, I can teach someone else. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn. I don't want this to happen to you. You hear that said of folks that are trapped in various addictions. 
in various situations. I don't want this to happen to you. I want to tell you what's happened in my life so that it doesn't happen to you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to God. You see, he's merciful. He's gracious. He's kind and he's loving. And despite our tendency to sin, despite our failures, despite the ramifications when we disobey, he is not only there, he not only forgives, but he wants you to be an agent of his righteousness. He wants you to be an agent of his righteousness and teach transgressors transgressors, the ways of God. I want to remind you to stay in position. However that looks in your life, I want to remind you that if you see, don't act. I want to remind you that you're not going to get away with it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Amen. And he will. Amen. Amen. Pray with me.